Hi everybody, I'm Mike Hancock. I'm the chairman of Circle of Excellence Group and welcome to our global intelligence update. Uh, if you need CPD points, then you should be logging these uh, calls with us um, because you can get your CPD points for them. Now, today on this particular talk, we're gonna be talking about how to help different people differently. So as you know, we are all about doing things differently. And I'm gonna share with you some technology. I'm gonna go deep into some of the background of this technology, but I am also going to basically uh, go big picture as well. So I'm just allowing some other people into our room. Good morning and good afternoon, everybody. Philippe, lovely to see you. So we've now got about four countries on the, on the call today. So it's fantastic. And let's jump in here. I'll do a quick script, uh, share screen. We'll get the presentation started. And this is what we're talking about today, folks, helping different people differently. So I loved this quote by Pythagoras, and I'm actually going to re-release in uh, 2021 my book on Pythagoras. But uh, no one is free who has not obtained the empire of himself. No one is free who cannot command himself. And so this is all about a deeper understanding. But when we look at the way in which we work with people around the world, we're sort of like this. So let's just um, quickly have a look at the chat. I'll just bring it up here. When you think, look at these four pictures here, what sort of comes to your mind between the business that you do and these four pictures here? So anybody got any ideas what's similar in these four pictures than your own business? Just drop it into the chat. And uh, let's, see, let's see how intuitive everybody is on today's call. What's sort of similar between your businesses and business in general to these little pictures here? Four seasons of business. Philippe, that's wonderful. I love that. It's actually not right, but it's really good insight. Serve different people. Great, Heather, thank you so much. So this is fantastic. Let's see if we can get one more out here. Big game. You know, diversity. Thank you, Colin. That's fantastic. So I want to let you know that, and I love everything you've said. This is about diversity because we're, today we're celebrating diversity. But most importantly, this is about what most people do when they're promoting their business and their service. Most people essentially just, aha, same general, Mary, you're, you're on it, same general category but different types, that's it. This is a one dimensional offer. So you can have any leaf you want, um, you know, but it's still a leaf. And so what we tend to do in business today is that we literally are one dimensional. And, you know, how many people have come to sell you something in the last year or so, and this is how they start. They start by, well, I'm so great to meet you today. Thank you so much for your time. And listen, our company does this. We've been around since then. Um, this is our expertise here. And what we'd like to offer you today is this and this and this. So this is very much like this leaf approach. The one dimensional approach is all about, you know, we're going to offer a leaf, but you may get a maple leaf or you may get a fig leaf or you may get a eucalyptus leaf, but they're all leaves. So I want to take that and I want to look at it differently. Carl Jung, I want to go back to Carl Jung and the I Ching. 
because this is the basis of helping different people differently. Carl Jung, as you know, was a, a very, very profound person. He worked for um, Sigmund Freud and he became very disillusioned with what Sigmund Freud stood about. Um, and Carl Jung essentially said Freud was wrong. He said, Freud's coming up with all these things that like, you know, if your mother doesn't like chocolate, then you're not gonna like chocolate. If your dad was, uh, you know, a wife beater, then you'll become a wife beater. There's nothing much you can do about it. And Jung didn't agree with this. And he had a friend and his friend's name was Richard Wilhelm. And Richard Wilhelm had spent the last 20 years in China and this was in the early part of the 20th century. So Wilhelm had been there since the late 19th century. And when he and Jung finally got together back in Germany, he said to Jung, I've come across this most incredible book. It's called the I Ching, the Book of Changes, commissioned by the Emperor Fu He in the year 3114 BC. And in this, Fu He sent his scholars out, which literally means observer, out to look at the macrocosm and to study the macrocosm of the world because they realized right back then the Chinese were smart that we were just a microcosm of the macrocosm. And when they came back, they brought all of this together into a book called the I Ching, which if you look at the picture on the left, you'll see what's that about 12, is it? Mm, seven, yeah, 12 of the 64 hexagrams represented. The top hexagram, which is the one up here, which is the six long blocks, that is actually the representation of heaven. And down below, you'll see the representation of earth. Then we've got the mountain, the valley, um, the storm, et cetera, et cetera. So it goes through these different things that they observed. And what Jung realized when he read this book, he realized that in all chaos, there is a cosmos and in all disorder, a secret order. And he saw the secret order in all things that the Chinese were talking about. And every single one of you has probably experienced Carl Jung's expertise because that expertise came down in personality profiling. So you became a sanguine, a driver, a, um, an analyst, a dove, a pigeon, uh, you know, a rock ape, whatever it was that you became depending on the personality profile. And, you know, we've got Enneagram, we've got all these other things, and it all goes back to Carl Jung and the I Ching. In fact, the original personality profiling was done to find the bravest people. And so that they could put those people at the front of the army during the war. So personality profiling came from a pretty clandestine part. And now it's a major part of anybody getting a job around the world. Recruiters use it all of the time. People are using it and it's very, very significant. The problem with Carl Jung's work and the problem with the I Ching is that it moved from one dimensional to two dimensional. So Jung's work and the I Ching work, which he missed, it's actually in the I Ching, but he missed it, is essentially um, that there are two axes. One of them uh, shows you how extroverted you are. And the other one is whether you're task orientated or people orientated. So that's essentially Jung's work. But as you know, we are three-dimensional beings. Ian, you're looking great there. Just hold up your hand for a second. So let's look at your hand, okay? So if you look at Ian's hand there, just show, hold out a finger for me, Ian. Just one finger, okay? If you look at Ian's finger there, you'll see, just like my finger, if you can't see Ian's, 
you'll see that it has three parts, one here, two there, and when you bend it up, it's three. Then you'll look at your hand, your forearm and your upper arm, three. Your head, your torso and your legs, three. We live in a three-dimensional world. Yet, for the last hundred years, based on Jung's good work, most of us have studied personality profiling from a two-dimensional basis. So when you're looking to help different people differently, you may not have all the aspects in there. So what I'm going to do today as we walk through this is I'm going to cover off, I'm going to go into some depth initially. So you might go, oh, wow, this is like really deep, man. I can't handle it. But I want to do that because um, I want to show you that there is some real depth behind this. And then I'm going to follow it up with some simplicity in the stuff and so that you can identify with it very quickly. And then we'll go to Q&A after that. So let's move on. We are not two-dimensional. And that is the problem with Jung's work. So what we did around about 12 years ago now is we started looking at some of the three-dimensional models of the world. And the three strongest ones we came from was we looked at the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah is based on three pillars. You'll see them up here. Um, if you look down the bottom here, the sever severity there, um, mildness in the middle and mercy on the right. Three pillars. And each of these three pillars connect in, if you understand the Kabbalah, it, they connect in a very three-dimensional way through all of the different aspects of the Kabbalah. So this is one very, very good model in understanding people. It's not a religious model at all. It's a model of understanding people, okay? Then if you go up to the top picture here, which I actually took, this is actually one of my photos, um, but it's not from where I'm going to tell you it's from. I just like the photo because it represents Egypt. If you look at the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and the Egyptian Book of the Dead um, is one of the most powerful books of all time because it was called the Papyrus of Ani originally, and it was found in the tomb of Saqqara. And Saqqara, for those of you that have been to Egypt, is the stepped pyramid, about eight kilometers from the actual pyramids. It's, people say it's, uh, they call it Dosa as well. People say it's the older pyramid, but when you go underneath that, you'll find the hieroglyphs there that are the Papyrus of Ani, which is the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And the Egyptian Book of the Dead is actually a testament to the flow of a human soul and the development of the human soul. And so um, if you read the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and I do have a copy, I should have pulled it off my bookshelf to show you, but um, if you do read the Egyptian Book of the Dead you, and you can get past some of the ancient Egyptian isms in there, you'll realize that it's the journey of the soul. And then if we take this and we look at say the Sistine Chapel where Michelangelo painted this painting, down below, this is about the development of life itself. And the development of life is very three-dimensional. So we took these aspects and we'd been working with um, the people um, who are the senior people in Myers-Briggs and uh, one of the universities in Australia about developing. And it's a long road to develop something that's um, really good, that's three-dimensional because most three-dimensional stuff becomes very difficult for people to understand because we don't tend to think that way. We're very linear thinkers. We've been taught by the education system to be very one-dimensional. So with that in mind, I'm gonna take you now three-dimensional for a bit of background, and then I'm gonna bring it back to simplicity. So if we look at before there was anything, there was nothing. And then nothing created something, which is this gold circle in the middle. 
And then in that something, there was everything. So there was all, which was in the circle, or nothing, which existed outside the circle. So this was the formation of life in the universe. There was nothing, Big Bang Theory. Then there became something, and with that something in there, there was everything. So the only thing that could exist outside of everything was nothing. Now, I know this is incredibly esoteric, but I'm giving you the background of this. So then if you look at what got created from that, if we took that and we turned that something which got bored after a time and then recreated itself, it created itself into the most common thing in um, sacred geometry. This shape is called the vesica piscis. And this you'll see all over the world. It's the basis of architecture and a whole lot of other things. But this common part in the middle here where the two circles cross is actually the part of common ground. And so then if we now take that common ground, we take those two circles, the mother and the father, and they have the child. This is very well known in Celticism, in, um, in Christianity, it's called the Holy Trinity. You know, it's, it's non-religious, it's religious proof, but this shape is the father, the son, and the mother, or the father, the daughter, and the mother. So this common ground now is sits inside of there. So if you look at that, this could be three of us on the call. So it could be Sarah, she could be the one on the top left, it could be uh, Robert, he could be on the top right, and it could be Mike, I could be on the bottom. So we're all great people. I share this commonality with Sarah, which sits in, in the middle here. I share this commonality with Robert here. But right in here, the three of us share this amazing thing in common, which brings us together. Now, if you look at this shape and take it further, it becomes a very ancient symbol, the flower of life. So you will see this... Um, in the temples of the Maya in Egypt, you'll see it in the um, in Abydos at the Assyrian temple. You'll see it in China. You'll see it in the Indus Valley. You'll see it in Turkey. You'll see it in all the ancient cultures embrace this symbol. This symbol is actually the key to consciousness, which is why a lot of conscious people go and get it tattooed on, but really don't understand it. But essentially, it starts that you can see the one circle in the middle here and you can trace that out to the Vesica Piscis and then to the Holy Trinity and so on and so forth. And then it builds out from there. The flower of life is 13 generations of the original circle, by the way, because the human mind cannot comprehend any more than this, but it is infinite as I'm sure you'll understand. And it's the matrix that makes up space and time. I'm gonna to focus today on the fruit of life. Now the fruit of life is within the flower of life. You can see three axes here, one going up and down, one going across ways like that, and one going here. So there's the three axes that I wanna focus on here because this is gonna bring in our three-dimensional model. So this is what it looks like. Here's your first axis. People are either more introverted or more extroverted. So if you look at these 12 points on this clock, and if we go up to 10 o'clock here, this is probably your most introverted person. But if we come down to <clears throat> four o'clock, this is probably your most extroverted person. And the people at one o'clock and seven o'clock are neither introverted or extroverted, they're somewhere in the middle. So I'm probably slightly introverted, believe it or not. 
So I'm sitting up around the 12 o'clock range in here. So if you look at where you may be, how introverted or how extroverted are you at the moment? I know I'm at the 12 o'clock range because of what's going to happen next. But you might say, oh, I, uh, I could be at either 12 o'clock or I could be at 8 o'clock. They're both the same. You're right. They're both the same. Or you could be at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. They're also both the same. And 10 o'clock, you're the, the most introverted type of person. But... Um, if you move across to the other side, you could also be the most extroverted type of person as well. So with that, we're going to now look at what the second relationship is. The second relationship is that you're either more of a thinking person or more of a feeling person. So a thinking person is really in their head. They don't consider anything else. And a feeling person is really in their heart. And so if you look at 12 o'clock here, because the think and the feel is direct, directly across your page, if you look at 12 o'clock on this, this is a person who's incredibly in their head. So I know I'm very much in my head and I'm very introverted, or I'm more introverted than extroverted. So that puts me up here. I'm definitely in this part of the chart up here, okay? Whereas if you're very extroverted and you're a high degree of thinking, sorry, a high degree of feeling, you may be somewhere down here, okay? So as you can see, this is already getting complex, and now we're going to add the third layer. For those of you that have joined the call late, we're talking about how to help different people differently. I'm giving the background coming from Carl Jung, which is a, a really a two-dimensional model into a model that we've been developing with universities and based on three dimensions around the world as well. And then the third dimension is that you are either more dominant naturally or more nurturing. So it becomes pretty obvious. So I'd suggest if you want to sort of typecast yourself here, take this screenshot and you can have a look at this later on. Um, this will give you a good idea. But I'm naturally a little bit more introverted than extroverted. So I'm either here or here because the extroversion line is here. So if you're on this side of it, you're more extroverted. If you're on this side, you're more introverted. So I'm naturally more introverted. So I sit over here. I'm much more of a thinker than a feeler generally. So I'm definitely up around the top part here, but I'm highly dominant as most of you know as well. So this is gonna push me into this area here. I'm gonna naturally get pushed into the 12 o'clock sort of range with a fallback into the sort of 11 o'clock and one o'clock type of area. So you will have where you sit as well. Now let's look at this in a little bit more of a fun space. So you can read about this in my book, Conscious Leadership, if you wanna go into it in, in detail, but here's how it looks here. So the people that are really sort of in the top three areas tend to be analysts. I'm definitely not an analyst, advisor. I do a lot of that but I'm probably more because of the dominant thing get pushed towards a visionary. So I'm more of an advisory, uh, sorry, a visionary advisor. That tends to be my flow. I also back up with driver and analyst. So I'm definitely in that top space there. So this also gives me the element of air, which means that I'm very mindful. So I'm very much in my mind. Where is it if you're leading towards the bottom of the chart there, you're very much water related. So this has put you more into an emotional space. 
Whereas if you look at Landy, Landy sits over in this fire area here. She's much more ex, ex, um, extroverted. She's relatively highly dominant here. So that's um, pushing her towards being an entertainer driver. And she's really probably more of a feeler on the borderline than a thinker, although she's got high in both. So she's really in this driver entertainer space here, which means she, she's got a fire element that sits behind it, which is very spirited as well. And then we've got our other three people over here as stabilizers, our philosophers and our analysts, which tend to be more grounded, more physical, more earth space, okay? Definitely more introverted in those areas. These four sort of roles around here are more introverted. So now that you've seen the technicals, and I'm not gonna go into the technicals too much more, I'm gonna move into something more simple for you. I'm gonna break it down. So by the way, before I do that, let's just go back. If you want to take a screenshot of this, if you want to see what type of animal you are, and you can look at the totem behind that animal as well, and you'll see that the totem of that matches in with this also. For those of you that know our company, Worldwide Business Intelligence, you know, the octopus is our motto there, is our totem for that company. That's the analyst. That's the brain, right? They have a lot of brains, those octopuses. So octopi. Whereas if you look at the promoter, being the whale down here, they're the talker, they're the communicator of the oceans. So it's really fascinating when you see what those type of people is. Um, Heather, you put and hearts, that's quite correct. They're, they're very much in their heart down there also. Okay, now you've got your screenshot, let's move on. We'll, we'll get into a bit of definition here. You can take a screenshot of this as well. The visionary sees things that open new ways of doing things. That's very much my track. And the driver is able to create a path and always get stuff done. So you can see that I'm quite a high driver as well. The entertainer shines brightly and shines light on others. So Landy is very good at that. That's, that's why that's her profile. She's great at shining light on others. She doesn't shine the light on herself a lot. A socializer is a person who loves people and loves to network. Okay, there's a couple of you on this call that fit into the socializer space. A persuader has the ability to influence others by their character. So they're very people orientated, but they're incredibly persuasive. Now, do we have aspects of everybody in this, in, in our profile? Of course we do. But so that's why it's difficult to track this um, on something like this, because it's very three-dimensional. And then we have the relator who simply builds relationships that cross bridges. But a relator can also become quite a pleaser as well, right? A promoter is an individual that champions a bigger cause. So you'll see those people that they're, they're not noisy. They're actually quite quiet, but they sit behind things, but they're promoting something bigger. A guardian takes care of the status quo and looks after the present. You know, a lot of the old school CEOs were guardian type of profiles where a lot of the new style CEOs are really more persuader type profiles. So if you look at that, then a stabilizer is somebody who's always seeking to create harmony. They're always trying to build bridges to create harmony in businesses. They're the glue of different businesses, if you like. Then the philosopher, they have a concern for all and they, the advice they offer is generally futuristic. So it's generally accessing the future, but their concern is for everybody in the ecosystem. The analyst is able to adapt and determine situations through the utilization of facts and figures. The advisor has a wealth of wisdom 
and guidance for others. Now, I just want to go back to this because if you look in the middle there of this chart, you'll see the unicorn. And the unicorn sits in, this is called interaction dynamics. The unicorn sits in interaction dynamics and it doesn't sit in any other profiling system that we know of. Why? Because this is the wild card. I call it the number 13 because it's the true composite of the 12 profiles. And when I was researching and writing this up for the papers that got submitted to the universities for this many years ago, the, um, the 13th profile, I could only find one high profile person in the world that actually fitted that profile perfectly. And that was Li Kai-shing. Li Kai-shing, for those of you that don't know him, was at times the wealthiest man in Hong Kong. He might be dead now. He's very old if he's not. He's certainly been in his late 80s or early 90s, I'd think now. But Li Kai-shing literally built his wealth by doing everything in his company. He did the paperwork. He packed the boxes. He did the shipping. He did all the sales. He did all the marketing in there. He ran the company. He hired everybody. He built everything. He had a finger in every pie. And for all of his career, you know, you would see Li Kai-shing um, back basically in the office, punching out invoices in the storehouse, putting out things, meeting with different suppliers, you know, all of that. He was the true composite. And a lot of people think that they're a polymath, which means they're good at a number of things. But like I'm a polymath, but I'm still a visionary and a driver. So visionary is my number one profile. Driver is sort of my backup profile. Advisor is my third backup profile. So I'm in that type of area there. But Li Kai-shing is definitely the 13th. Now, before I move on and get this simple for you, so you can utilize it because we want to help different people differently, I've spent the first 20-odd minutes of our call today really talking about the background and how this has come about. I want you to look at the colors. Colors are irrelevant in, in our model, but I want you to look at the colors because they're sim going to simplify it for you. So the first three people here, I've given the color of red because they're action orientated. Then we've got the yellow people, the socialites, the persuaders and the relators because they're very warm and engaging and, and sunshine type of people. Then we've got the, the true blues, the promoters, the guardians and the stabilizers. Then we've got the analysts, which are really the more analytical types, the philosophers, the analysts and the advisor. And then we've got our unicorn, the, the maverick. The, the, in this case, I've given it the, the purple for the highest, the crown chakra, the highest wisdom. And occasionally you'll come across one of them. I know of one other personally. Um, and the reason I know that she was it is because she did every type of profiling system from Myers-Briggs to DISC to Wealth Dynamics and got different results on them multiple times because it depended on who she was at the time um, that she did that because she was a true polymath. She was definitely a number 13, very successful in business, retired by the age of 40, by the way. So let's move on. Let's go over to the red area here. And we're going to get into this. I'm going to to help you understand these people because the object here is to now, how do we get to do business with these people? How do we help them differently? Because our problem is that most of us are being offered one dimensional, one fits all solutions. And there's no solution for us that actually matches our personality. There's no pitch for us that matches our personality. So here I'm really suggesting that in your pitches for people, that you have four different types of pitches 
and I'm gonna show you how to easily identify people. So let's start with our visionaries, our drivers and our entertainers. Before we do that, you'll notice that they're these top three people here. You'll notice that they sit um, from one o'clock, two o'clock and three o'clock on the model. Okay, these people are fast paced. I'm a good example of this person. They're time orientated. So they're always chasing time. Time is their friend. They don't wanna waste time. They love to get to the point straight away. They're decision makers and they're powerful types. So they're often types that come across as aggressive. They come across as no sort of BS. Um, they come across as really action oriented people. They love making decisions, these people. Now let's move into our socializers, into the yellow area here, into our socializers. Um, we're looking at four o'clock, five o'clock and six o'clock on the chart here, these yellows here. These are sociable people. You know, they are people orientated, they're natural networkers, they're very playful types. So, you know, Lundy is a great example of this. She's incredibly social, she's incredible people orientated. You know, if you gave her the chance of, would you like to sit behind your computer and do a Zoom call or would you rather go to the beach and walk with the dog? She'll choose the beach every time. Would you like to go to a cafe and have a meeting or do you want to meet with some high powered executive from France on the Zoom call? She'll be in the cafe. Right? These people crave network, they crave socializing. They are generally very extroverted. So we're moving into the area here of highly extroverted people. Our yellow type of people here, the socialized persuaders and relators tend to be the most extroverted of all of the types. Then let's move into the blue area, going back to our blues here. So these are our, our whales, our promoters, our guardians, our wolves, and our bears, which are our stabilizers. So these are moving, as you can see here, into the more nurturing types. Um, they, they tend to be they're sort of leaning a little bit more to introversion, although not quite. But these people are amiable. They're the true blues. They love relationships, deep relationships. They want to get to know you. Loyalty is really important for them. They're really peaceful. They're not loud in a room. You know, the socializers will be loud, a lot of back slapping, a lot of jokes. The visionaries and drivers will be loud, a lot of jokes there. These people here tend to be just quiet, but really amiable, really friendly types, okay? And then let's move into our last um, area here, which is the green area here. Moving back here, this is our philosophers. The snake, a great philosopher, our analyst, which is our octopus, lots of brains in that guy, and our, our advisors, which of course are the wise owls here. These are the greens. They're very considered. They're very fact and detail orientated. They do a lot of research and they're very precise. So they don't make mistakes and they don't consider mistakes to be good business. So now that you've got a, a general overview and feel free to take some screenshots of this as well, um, and of course, we're recording this. You can go back and look at this. And I'd advise you, if you've not come across too much personality profiling stuff, I want to talk to you about what this actually is in a minute because it's not a personality profile per se. But if you don't are not familiar with this, this is a great tool for you to use in a very simplistic way. Because now if I meet a room, if I walk into a room and I identify a Lundy Jack, somebody who's more people orientated, more social, and that sort of thing. 
I am not going to sit her down in an office and pitch her. I'm going to take her to a five-star hotel, buy her a glass of wine, put her in a comfy chair, and I'm going to pitch her there. When I go and pitch the analyst or the advisor, the one in the green area up here, I'm going to have lots of detail, lots of charts, lots of facts and figures with me. And I'm going to probably do it in a very quiet space because they'll become overwhelmed. So my office is going to be a great place to pitch these people or their office. If I'm talking with the blue people, their home is going to be a great place to pitch them. And if I'm talking about the, the, the red people, their office is going to be a great place or a boardroom that I hire at a hotel. So these things are going to help me understand how, even how to create the environment to which to actually help these different people differently. So now I'm going to show you that people actually show their hand in their handshake. Now, sorry about the quality of the graphic. I did grab this off the internet that saved me um, actually trying to uh, redraw it or find photos for it. Now, this was great because it explains exactly what I want to do. So let's go back. Your visionaries, your drivers, those fast-paced, time-orientated people, they'll definitely handshake you and they'll sort of roll you over a little bit and put their hand on top. And this is how you can tell within 12 seconds of meeting them if you shake their hand. If their hand's on top of you, they're generally, even if they're the nicest person, they're generally going to be one of these drivers, visionaries, entertainers, fast-paced. So you're going to be aware of that. It's going to be a trigger, aha, just as soon as they do that. Whereas the green people, let's go have a look at who they are, those green people, whoops, back here, the philosophers, the analysts, the advisors, those more considered, those more fact-orientated people, they're going to literally give you the control. So often they shake hands with their palm up because they couldn't care less about your alpha or your beta, whereas the, the red ones here, they definitely want to take control. The others, the greens, they couldn't care about that. Whereas your blues, your aimables, it's very important for them to not be giving you power or taking power. So they'll shake up, straight up shaking hands. And guess what? Our socializer, our social people, they'll often grab you with both hands, pat you on the back, put an arm around your shoulder. That's the type of handshake that they'll have. And it'll be vigorous. Whereas the first ones will be rock solid, a lot of power in that for the reds. So in 10 or 12 seconds of meeting people, you can actually tell a little bit about them by how they'll shake your hand. Now with that, I'm gonna share how their offices look. Now we're gonna start up here with the green ones, our philosophers, our analysts and our advisors, the detail oriented ones. When you go into their offices, they're gonna have lots of certificates, lots of books, lots of charts on the wall, in bookcases, lots of different things in there that gets you deep, okay? So by the way, you can't immediately say, aha, they've got 20 certificates there, an advisor, because they could be a socializer who simply wants to prove how good they are, but it is a tip. When we go down to the blue ones, our promoters, our guardians and our stabilizers, this is the fluffy offices, sorry guys. This is the lots of family photos. This is the, the squeaky toy on the desk. This is the, um, you know, the coffee mug given to them saying, I'm, I'm a great dad, right? So those type of people generally will have more of this stuff visible in their office. Even look at this office desk in this photo. It's very family, it's very nice. 
Whereas if we go up to the red people, the visionaries, the drivers, the entertainers, their office is very, it's power lit. It's very austere. There's not much in it. Austere means it's very, um, very simple, but very powerful. Okay, they're sending you a message. Don't F with me as their message, right? That's the message in their offices when you move in there. Whereas the socializer, the persuader, the relator, sorry guys, you know, it tends to be a bit of, you know, stuff hanging around. You're not too bothered. Um, most of you don't care about an office because you do all of your business at bars, restaurants, cafes, hotels. So this is typically, there'll be a bit more mess in more of these ones and in probably more of the philosophers ones than anyone else. So again, by the time you've handshaked, that could be checkpoint number one. Okay, they handshake top down. They're probably one of those visionary driver entertainer types. You move into their office and you go, oh, okay, this office is really messy. Mm, maybe they're the socializer. Maybe that's sort of more on the entertainer socializer. So now you're needing to look for more tips. So this is what they want. So firstly, let's look at our, our red ones again, our visionaries, our drivers and our entertainer. They're powerful. They wanna make decisions, so they want options. You know, they're gonna hate you giving them a decision of yes or no. They wanna know the best decision you can give them is hamburger with the lot, basic hamburger, or I don't want a hamburger. They like threes, right? Human bodies build in threes. This is a three-dimensional thing. So give them three options. Whereas if we go to our yellows, the socializers, the persuaders, and the relators, those people want their dreams supported. So they love to have their dreams supported. The blue ones, the promoters, the guardians, and the stabilizers, they're relationship-driven. So they literally want trust to be built. So um, <laughs> Mary says, I doubted where I fell in this office definitely showed. <laughs> yeah, great, Mary. That's funny, eh? So the trust thing is the blues want to actually build trust. So therefore, they want to get to know you. So they're looking for you to say, oh, lovely children's photos here. How old's Bobby? How old's Betty? Et cetera, et cetera. They're looking for that. Let me tell you a bit about my family before we get into business. And the philosophers and advisors and analysts, they want proof. They want facts and figures. They want to actually understand stuff. Um, Shazar says, I've been a definite green in my life who has the worst messy office I ever saw. <laughs> yeah, and greens can have messy offices because they surround themselves with data and facts and figures. That's why I say it's not just a one-sided thing. If you see a messy office, you don't go, oh, socializer, and start taking them to the pub. You look for more things in there. You look, what's making the mess? The socializer's mess will be created because of pure mess. The philosopher, analyst, and advisor's mess will generally have purpose to it. So one of the most unbelievable ones I came across was the head of a real estate company. He's also the, if you know the events company, Success Resources, he was also the original partner in that um, when they listed it on the stock exchange. And he is the most shiny, polished, polished Chinese Singaporean you've ever seen, immaculately dressed, immaculate car, immaculate business, everything until you go into his personal office. I have never seen anything like it in all my life. In fact, it was so bad, even me, I was so shocked they said, are you moving? 
And he said, no. And then I, had, I realized that's how his office was. But when I looked at it, there was charts and reports and computer printouts of data and marketplaces and this and university reports and all of that sort of stuff. So really interesting once you start putting this together. This is what you don't do. So Shazar, if you truly are in that philosopher, analyst, advisor area, um, and I think you've probably, you know, got some of it, you're probably a bit more of a polymath than that, then don't, you don't BS Shazar. She will never trust you again. She'll never do business with you. The minute you, a person like that says, um, so is the return on this investment 12% or 13? And you go, oh, gee, I don't know, uh, 13. And they check it and it's 12. They will never believe another word you've said. Whereas with your visionaries, your drivers and your entertainers, you don't restrict them. Don't restrict us. Don't put us in a box. I remember years ago when I moved from corporate to entrepreneurship, I hired an action coach. The year was 2002. And this guy kept saying to me, you have to run a Monday morning meeting for all your staff. And I said to him, Peter, I just came from 15 years of running Monday morning meetings. I'm never going to run another Monday morning meeting in my life. He said, but you have to. Guess where he went? into the no longer employed zone, right? You can't restrict these people. With the socializers, persuaders and relators, you can't bombard them with facts. Landy doesn't wanna know facts. She wants to know what is it? What's it gonna do for me? What's it gonna cost? And how do I do this simply, right? So that's all she's interested in. Those people are only interested in that. They're in, interested in their dreams being supplemented. And with the promoters and that, don't jump into business, you know, because I'm a person who loves to jump into business, often when I was running my financial planning business in the 80s, I actually didn't have these blue people as clients. As soon as I realized somebody was in this zone, I instantly referred them on to somebody else in my office because I didn't want to build relationships with them. I just wanted to get the business. Now, it sounds harsh and I've mellowed in old age, but the fact of the matter is, you know, if you want to do business, you may only be able to do business with people who are prepared to go to the bar with you. If that's the case, you've got to identify that one social form here. And this is a great place for me to tell you why this is called interaction dynamics. So let me just go back for a minute to that. This is interaction dynamics. It's a three-dimensional model. It's based on the I Ching. It's based on the Egyptian Book of the Dead. It's based on life itself. And it's based on workings from the Kabbalah for, if you like, very, very ancient ways of doing things. But the reason that it works and the reason that it is quite um, intricate, and I've broken it down for you in these red, greens, blues, and yellows, which are going to help you, is because most of us just want to get a result very quickly. And if we can ascertain who the person is that we are talking to, that we want to be our client, our friend, our strategic partner, our new lover, whatever, straight away, the minute we can understand and match and mirror this. So I'm going to go back through these few things just as a, as a bit of a finish up, and then we'll go to, to questions. This is not, interaction or dynamics is not their personality. It's not how they create money, which is wealth dynamics. This is the way they tend to interact with the world, which may be a learned behavior. So often this is confusing for people because people will do a personality profile and it'll come up very different to who they are. Or if you look at their role, 
um, as a corporate CEO, they've naturally got to be a bit more of a driver and a bit more visionary than what they maybe are because they may actually be you know, a promoter or a stabilizer. So their natural flow is out of sync with the way in which they interact with the world. This has been designed to analyze how people are interacting with the world, not necessarily who they are at their core being. So the reason why this works is because if you start to understand this stuff, even at a proliferal level, then you can actually understand who you're dealing with in a very, very short space of time. And once you do that, you can start to deal with them in one of four ways. So if you start to recognize that the person that you're dealing with is in this blue area, they're very amiable, they shake their hands straight up, they've got lots of family photos around and they're very interested in you, they want to build a relationship, you need to build trust. Don't go straight into pitching them. Build a relationship. Be prepared to do a second or even a third meeting with them before you pitch them your stuff. But by the time you do, those people will stay longer. Don't jump straight into business. They'll be there. Conversely, if you've got somebody who is, you know, in the green area, who's really fact-orientated, big researchers, very precise, who's really just, you know, giving you a palm up, a handshake, who's got lots of facts and figures and details and awards and and certificates and the things that they place credibility on around them. And they're, they're looking for proof from you. Don't BS them. They're looking for proof. So the more reports and things like that that you can give them to support your claims for your product or service is great. So you may have one presentation, but you, the way you may give that presentation may be four different ways. It may be a lot slower for the analysts and supported by, listen, I normally do this, but I think you'd really enjoy this report. I'm going to send you to this. But for the socializer, it may be, hey, let's just go to the main pages of my presentation because I think that's what you're looking for. So if you can see that, then you you are really gonna move forward with this. Now, the fascinating thing to finish this off before we just hit into some questions in the last 15 minutes or so, is what people do under stress. And we've had a lot of stress this year. So people aren't actually uh, necessarily operating in their normal interaction dynamic. So visionaries and drivers become relationship, not relationship, but become relationship focused. That's what happens if you produce a slide at nine o'clock at night, they become relationship focused. So they go into from being all, I wanna do things now to, I just need to, I just need people around me. I just need to start building relationships. Whereas socializers and persuaders get into the detail and they start getting uh, really pedantic and really detail orientated. I noticed this with Landy when, when she's under stress, um, she'll go into the detail of something and she'll want to uncover it three or four times. Um, so that's how they'll do things. Whereas promoters, guardians, the blue type of people who are normally very amiable, they become really hard-assed. They become really belligerent. They want their way or the highway. They jump, they're suddenly they're no longer amiable. Some way, some, now it's just their way or the highway. And the philosophers, the analysts and the advisors, they go, oh, hang it, well, let's just go to the pub. Bugger all this, all these reports don't mean crap. Let's just go to the pub and have a drink. So these are the different ways that, um, that people are interacting. Yep, um, thank you, Heather, I will own it. It is a new word, relationship focused. 
So with that, I just want to finish off with the reason why I've shared this with you today is because we share so much technology and so much how-tos on these calls um, that we want to really put you in a position today where getting you to understand that empathy, as Stephen Brown said, is putting yourself in that other person's shoes. It's allowing you to interact, to match and mirror the way that they interact with the world. And the more that you can interact in the way they interact, the stronger relationships you'll be born, the, the more sales you'll get and the stronger bonds that you'll have. And I'm not telling you not to be you. I mean, there's many people on this call that sit in all different types. I mean, Shazar's looking at this and saying she's sitting in that green area here. Yet Shazar and I have been clients and friends for 15 years almost now. So from that aspect, you know, we have a fantastic relationship. We love each other dearly. And yet we're very different types of people. We interact with the world very, very differently. So both of us have been managed to master that so that we can interact with each other on that. Um, oh, no, not you, your partner. Okay, very good. Okay, thanks for that. Well, I was going to question that later on with you privately, Shazar. So that's good. Now we get it. Now you've got different insights. So with that, let's stop the share. You'll see my happy smiling face now. And let's jump into any questions. Feel free to unmute your microphone or um, throw anything around that you would want to. And uh, give me some feedback if you would want to or, or not. Let's go down there. Um, love is the glue. Love is always the glue as well. Love is the glue in partnerships. So Ian, I want to ask you a question. Are you up for a question? So um, Ian, out of uh, pretty much uh, many of the people that I'm seeing on our call today is somebody who has really done a lot of online work and a lot of online training over the years. It hasn't just been since COVID, Ian. You've been doing it for many years and you've been doing it in multiple countries. You've been doing it across Europe into, you know, deepest, darkest Africa, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I will answer the question. Thanks. I see iPhone Philip has asked a question. I'll answer that. But I want just to ask Ian this question. How do you pick up from somebody in an online space what their interaction dynamic is and then what do you do to bridge that gap? Yeah, a great question, uh, Mike. I think uh, it takes slightly longer. I don't think the, the tells are as quick as they are when you're shaking a hand or uh, seeing somebody's office. Um, sometimes uh, I, we try to have video on as much as possible and that might give you some clues as well. But then again, it could be a home situation where it could be their partner's background, not theirs. So you've got to be quite careful about that. But I pick it up in the language that they use. So for me, mm -hmm. it's the kinds of questions they ask, the kinds of statements they make, the comments that they add. Um, they will come up as very analytical or very sociable, um, very forceful, uh, you know, very relational, whatever it might be. So it, it's, it comes up in the questions and the comments. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, fantastic. Uh... The answer, well done. And by the way, your new Facebook profile photo is amazing. It's just captured it brilliantly. Go and have a look at it, folks. Um, Philip, I'll just answer your question. Do you believe you can shift profiles? You know, a lot of people will say no. And a lot of people who own the profiling systems will tell you no. You are intrinsically a profile. But this is an interaction dynamic. And the way you interact with the world changes with age. 
it changes with imprinting, it changes with experience. And also there's a science behind this. Now, remember, I'm, I don't think you were here at the start of our call, so I'll just briefly go back through that. All profiling systems, Myers-Briggs, DISC, Wealth Dynamics, you know, you name it, um, Four Dimensions, uh, what's the one they love in South Africa? Um, had it before, doesn't matter. But all of those are, are built by, um, on the basis of Carl Jung's work. And Carl Jung's work is two-dimensional and we are three-dimensional beings. We live, you know, think of it this way, height, width and depth. So actually a profiling model is, it's not just what you're seeing on the screen here, it's not just here and it's not just from this side to that side, it's also what you can't see. It's this depth here that you actually can't see. There we go, that's a better illustration of depth. So that ball becomes that circle, which I talked about, which is the circle. And so interesting when um, those of you that picked it up, Ian, you didn't plan this for your call, but your necklace that you're wearing is essentially a representation of what I was talking about, which is everything comes from nothing, and then you have all or nothing, and then nothing gets bored and nothing creates something, which is exact replica of itself. And then what you've got is exactly what I've got here, the Holy Trinity, essentially, or the Celtic Trinity. And, um, you know, people think it's religious. It is if you're a Christian, but it's not because so many cultures do it. It's sacred geometry. And that's the way, if you look at that, it's go and Google how life is formed when the sperm meets the egg. And you'll see it's exactly what Ian's wearing around his, yes, there it is in his Morpheus Genius logo at the back. Ian, I'll just pin you um, to the screen for a second so people can see it there. Um, so people can see it's in his logo, which is the convolution of the three circles that I talked about before. So with that, you can change. Now, our cells, Philip, change every seven years. It's a scientifically proven fact that we regenerate ourselves on average every seven years. And this relates, if you look at the I Ching, this relates to a question you ask as well. The first seven years relates to the question, why? That's what little kids ask, why mummy, why? The seven years from seven to 14 is what? What am I gonna play with? What am I gonna do now? I'm bored, what should I do next, right? 14 to 21 is the question, who? Who am I gonna hang out with? Who's cool? You know, who are the greatest bands or artists, et cetera, et cetera. 21 to 28 is when? When am I finally going to make some money? When am I going to get married? When am I going to have kids? 30, 28 to 35 is the question, how? How am I going to make all of this work? How am I going to juggle all these things, et cetera, et cetera? And then from 35 to 42, it goes from to the why. 42 to, to 49, it goes to the what. 49 to 56, it goes to the who. 56 to 63, it goes to when am I going to retire? 63 to 70. How am I going to survive while I'm retiring? And then it goes again. So what actually happens in, it's a long response to Philip's question, but it's really interesting and engaging stuff, is the client and the person that you knew seven years ago may not have the same motivations and same interactions with the world as what they do now, not only because they've been imprinted because they've hung out, you know, at the BNI for the last seven years, but all on they've been studying, you know, Buddhism for the last seven years, but as much the fact that their cells have actually morphed because of beta, gamma, delta rays, which bombard us as we were sitting here watching this um, now, which literally change our cellular form and that changes every seven years. 
For instance, I know some of you are going to laugh, but I'm a hell of a lot softer and less direct than I was in my 20s. Right? Heather, Mary, Ian, they're all laughing. I can see your face. Philip, even your standard photos laughing at me, Philippe. Right? So, um, you know, I was a lot more aggressive and a lot more cut and let's just get to it and make money and be successful and that sort of thing. And that's why we don't work Fridays. So, you know, we're more laid back. Landy's mother said to her, Landy, as you get older, you will naturally cry a lot more. It's true, right? Because you, you change. So yes, your profile can shift. Um, any final or other questions that anybody would like to ask? Colin, you've got your hand up. I can see it there. I can't see everybody. Let me just put it on a, a gallery view. Uh, go for it. Ask your question. Just wondering, Mark, with my experience when I was in Russia, in our Moscow office, we had 48 different nationalities. How does the cultural dimension fit with what oh, you've been talking point. about? Very, very good point. Thank you, Colin, for asking that. And uh, just before I answer that, Diane, um, fantastic. She says, me too, Mike. More, so much more of a hard ass earlier on, so cutthroat in business. And yet everybody who knows Diane know, and that knows that she's just such a gift. Um, as am I. So Colin, here's your answer to your question. Uh, nat certain nationalities lean certain ways because of cultural imprinting. And I'll give you... Um, some examples so you'll understand this. Chinese are naturally more analytical then because they've been imprinted by their schooling system that for you to compete in a billion people, you have to get 99 out of 100 for everything. And everybody knows it doesn't work in the real world. You can't get 99 out of 100 in entrepreneurship. If you get 50, you're probably a multimillionaire. But because of that, You'll, when you profile a lot of Chinese, they'll come out in that green sort of space there. Whereas um, if you profile a lot of New Zealanders, I've got a statistic, I'll see if I can remember it, but it's something like this. 63% of New Zealanders come out in the blue amiable space. They're very loyal. They're very you know, culturally sensitive. Colin, you live in New Zealand. Try and change the All Blacks jersey and watch how much the, the, the general public goes into an uproar right? The last time they changed it, that was the only thing on the news for a year. So that's why they haven't changed it in 15 years. That's a blue sort of technology. Now we'll go to America. They're very driven, right? It's very rah-rah, very red, very driven. So they're very much in that, that red space there. And if you go to Italy, man, they're all sociable, right? Everybody's out. Greece is the same. Everybody's in clubs, pubs, bars, tavernas, doing business. Everybody's yelling louder than the other one. There's hand gestures everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. So in an office like Moscow, where you had, you know, in the end, 3,000 people working for you, 48 different cultures, yeah, good luck with that one. You know, no wonder you're only 25, but your hair's grey. So that is very true. So have that awareness as well when, when we're dealing with different people. South Africans are a little bit of a mixture as well. Um, for those of you in South Africa, there's not a clear-cut sort of... Um, uh, profile for me in South Africa uh, yet, and I haven't really thought of it too too much. Um, but I think as an underlying thing, Afrikaans people are, are generally quite amiable, um, but they're also very driven. 
So they're, they're culturally very, very driven, but personally very amiable and very sociable. So if anything, I'd say they're probably more in that sociable space in that sort of entertainer sort of area, but because they're being pushed from both sides. So it's fun to explore, but uh, my, my reason for doing this today was to simply give you a bit of an overview and get you thinking differently about different people because, you know, Robert, I see we've got you on the call there. Lovely to see you. And I don't know if you're back from Spain, but, but you know, you've been in sales a long time. And if you're pitching people and you're going, hmm, this isn't working so much, then maybe the, the reason why is because you're one-dimensionally pitching people. And we need to get out of that box. We need to pitch for the right person. And we need to, yeah, Philippe, you're quite right. We need to approach people in a certain way as well. You know, even your LinkedIn approaches, some people want to cut to the chase. Some people want to build a relationship first. So all of this provides a great chemistry for it. But this is where the money train technology comes in. I heard Landy say it at our mastermind with real people we had this week. None of us really, in your, if you're in services, need more than about 100 people than we're working with. If you've got 100 people and you're working with them in the four different ways in which you can work with them, or if you get into detail on this, the 12 different ways in which you can work with them, or the 13 if you add the, the maverick unicorn there, um, and you really get into that and you understand it, then it becomes, as Ian said before, becomes very second nature. And you can pick up, if I meet somebody energetically within, it takes probably less than five seconds and I've pretty much got them pegged in which profile they are. And it's a subconscious thing because I've done so much of this work. I originally did profiling in the early 1990s and introduced it straight across all the, com the company that I was basically running at that stage all of our salespeople did profiling. So um, right from that stage, and then it came in and I did Myers-Briggs after that, and then I did Wealth Dynamics after that. And that's what gave me, I realized Wealth Dynamics was flawed because it was two-dimensional. And I saw so many people getting stuck with that. It made me go on the journey to find the three-dimensional one. But we're not, we're not releasing this to the general public because it is really a big um, three-dimensional model. It's got to become a lot clearer than what it is. So that's why I gave you the green, the red, the yellow and the blue today as, as four different ways you can interact with people just to stimulate your thought with that. Folks, we're, we're after the hour now. Um, it's been lovely seeing you all. Next week um, at this time, we've got Kate Rains Goldie on the call. And this is for two, two things uh, as well. So Kate is going to be sharing. Um, she's Dr. Kate Rains Goldie. She's uh, spent a lot of time being a futurist. And she's actually developed a new product for the dating business worldwide. So um, this is a really cool product. She's going to not only showcase the product on, on here, but it's also really good for building relationships. So it's going to layer on what we talked about this week. And, but she built it for the dating business, but I think it's perfect for relationships. And we've invited her on the call next week to share a little bit about that. In the meantime... Have a lovely, lovely week ahead. Love to you all and great to see you. We'll catch you later. Bye.